Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church where not everything goes right. Come on. Hey, but you are at the right spot regardless. So glad that you are here today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Samuel. I'd love the honor of getting to shake your hand and learn your name. Um, so, yeah, stick around a little bit afterwards. We're glad that you guys are here today. You know, don't forget, um, small groups are starting in two weeks. On the 18th, small groups kick off. I know some of them are starting early. All you pickleballers are starting pickleball uh, tonight. That happens from 6 to 8, actually, in the gym. They play pickleball and have some fun. Um, but get on there. There'll be a lot more groups starting. If you're thinking about hosting, there's still time to do that, but groups are going to be jumping on on the website over the next two weeks. Find a group, get in there, have some fun, get to know some people, and watch what God does. And today's kind of a happy sad because today we are closing out our series, Asking for a Friend. And I I really do enjoy the Q&A. It, it is a lot of fun for me, kind of prepping and seeing, seeing what, what you guys are asking. And, and I really enjoy it. But then next week, we get to start um, marriage and relationships. And I'm, that, that's like maybe my second most favorite thing, although I like all of it. So I have a lot of favorites. Maybe my second most favorite thing to speak on and, and to speak into. And man, it, it is an honor to do that. But that'll be starting next week. But I'm going to sit down here. And we're just going to kind of get going with these questions. And here's what we do with questions. Is the thing that we want to do is we want to look at God's Word and say, okay, is, is there a scripture? What does God's Word have to say about that? Um, so that, that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to look at God's word. But sometimes you, you look at God's word and you're like, well, there's not really a, there's not a scripture for that. So what do, what do I do there? Well, then what we want to do is we want to find a biblical principle that applies, a biblical principle that applies, that kind of leads us and gives us, gives us direction. You know, the Bible doesn't say exactly where we're to spend all of our money, but it does say a fool spends all he gets. So we know we need to have savings. It says that he will bless our storehouse. Well, he can't bless what we don't have. If you're not storing it, he can't be blessed. It's like, well, I better have one of those. So there's, although it doesn't give specific detail, there's some principles that we can follow, biblical wisdom. So that's what we try to do. And beyond that, I mean, I can give you my opinion, but I mean, that's, that's worth the price you paid to get in here, which is nothing. So lower your expectations. Like, it's, it's not that great. So we want to look, we want to look at what God's word has to say. So we're going to start with this, um, this first question. The first question is, and again, what we do with this, with this series is we kind of, we look at the more, more, more asked questions and we try to answer those. And then in some of these, uh, we got the questions it's like, okay, we got quite a few on this and they deserve more than a simple, they're going to take more We'll give them a whole service, basically. It's like, I don't know that I can give a, a, a five or a 10 or a 15-minute answer. That's going to be more like a 20-minute answer. Um, so we, we'll get to some of those a little bit later. Like I said, next week, we're going to start a relationship series. Um, but this first one goes here, and it says, if God knows everything, why pray? Why does he want us to pray? Um, and, and here's the thing. When, when we think that way, I, I, I understand the thought. Because the thought is, if God knows what I need and he loves me, wouldn't he just give me what I need without me asking him for what I need because he knows I need it? But that also goes to the whole, like, we have free will. 
Salvation is available for everybody, but God doesn't just force anybody anything. He wants us, and, and one side of prayer, one of the sides of prayer is it is asking God. And God wants us to ask. Mark 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. He's like, look, ask me. Because if you don't, you're, you're, you're just, you're not going to know. I remember, um, I think I was 21 and I bought a house. I was going to fix it up and flip it. I did. It just took me 19 years. But I, I flipped this house. I did, I did do it. But, but I, I bought this house and, and my dad was like, he, he kind of comes through and he looks at the house. He's like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. Now, what did you do? And how did you do this? And what interest rate? And who did you go through? And all this. And I kind of told him, he's like, no. And then, because I'd, I'd had the house, we'd already gone through closing and whatnot. And he's like, now, did you, at closing, what, what did you do at closing? And how much did you pay here? And I'm like, God, he wants all my information. Oh, my goodness. So I'm like, oh, I kind of did this and I did this and this. And he goes, oh, you know what you should have done? You should have gone to closing with $1,000 cash. It would have saved you $10,000 over your loan if you'd just done that. I remember just sitting there and I was like, but you didn't tell me I should do that. And he goes, yeah, but you didn't ask. All right, then he just looks at the house and he walks off. And I was like, well, I didn't know what I didn't know. And had I known what I didn't know, I wouldn't have needed to ask, but I didn't know. So why didn't you tell me? I remember I went up to him later and I was like, dad, there's things that I just don't know. And if I don't know to ask the things and you see me doing things and you're like, he doesn't know, tell me. I'm like, because if I knew I wouldn't do them or I would ask, like, will you just tell me? And he's like, well, okay, I, didn't, I don't want to get in your business. I'm like, well, you did when you told me I should. So, so I kind of like, I think I was, I was 21, and I'm like, okay, so about once a month, I would just be like, hey, anything that you saw me do that you're like, well, that was stupid, and I'm like, here's kind of, I would just tell him, like, here's what I'm kind of thinking and planning, anything in that. And then he, he would speak into it. Remember one time, I, I went to one of, one of those, and I was like, hey, Anything in particular that I should or shouldn't? Because I just, I just don't know. And he goes, now you, no, but your brother, yes. So I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, what's that? And, and the church had just entered a, a building campaign. They're like, hey, want to pledge some money for building? This is what we're doing if you'd like to be a part of that. And so we're all getting excited about what we're doing. What my, what my brother did was he's like, yes, I'm going to do it. So he sold some stock and then gave that money to the church. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, that's not what you should do. And I'm like, I thought you were trying to build a building. What's wrong with that? And he's like, no, if you have appreciated stock and you sell it, that's income. And then you give it away and that kind of cancels that out. He says, but you have appreciated stock. Give the stock to the church, not the money. Then it doesn't count as income. And then you can write off what you gave. And he's like, it's better. It's the same for the church, but it's better for you. And if you handle your money better, you'll have more to give. And I was like... Yeah, okay, I didn't know to ask that. You know, there's some things that, that part of praying is us asking God, but we run into situations where we don't know. Like, we, we're just, we're so far away from the answer, we almost have to go somewhere else so that we can actually get to the answer. And God gave us an amazing thing in those situations, and that's speaking or praying in our prayer language. The Bible literally says that when we pray in a prayer language, it prays the perfect will of God, that it builds us up. When we don't know what to do and what to pray, and you're like, God, I'm just at my end. I know you want me to ask, but what am I even supposed to be asking for? We get to pray, and we have a prayer language for that. Because he does, he wants us to ask. Matthew 7, 7. 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Uh, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you don't want it, God's not going to force it on you. Um, now, the other side of prayer, I think, that definitely don't want to leave out is this, is prayer is also walking in the authority that God has given you and that he's given me. You know, James 4, 7 says this, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Who will he flee from? You. Okay, turn to the person next to you and say, you. you. All right, turn to the person on the other side and say, you are you. Oh, come on. You are you. He will flee from you. So understand this. Um, unfortunately, there are many Christians who pray for God to do the very thing that God has empowered them to do. He's like, I've given you authority to do it. It says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It does not say pray that God will resist the devil and God will come down and... No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say pray to Jesus that the devil would... No, it says you resist the devil. And Jesus shows us how to resist the devil when we look at how he was tempted when he was led into the wilderness. He resisted the devil by using scripture. Satan said, hey, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus' answer was not, no, I'm God, go away. His answer was, no, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He used God's word. So how do you resist the devil? You use God's word. He comes against you and against your finances. He says, no, no, no. Satan, take your hands off of my finances. You resist him and you say, no, all of my needs. God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So Satan, you can't be doing this. Get your hands off of this. Uh, he attacks you. For, no. Uh, we, our, our family fighting something this last week. It's like, come on. Ridiculous. The kids are all passing it around. You're, I'm so serious. I'm thinking about getting a spoon, telling them all to lick it. Let's just get this at once and just be done with it. And you're like, what in the world? And I'm standing in faith. Like, get This thing has got to go. And it's leaving in Jesus' name. But sometimes what we do is we get stuck and we think, this is how God should answer my prayer. This is how God should handle my situation. But God is not going to do what he's empowered you to do. And sometimes he answers our prayers in the ways that we don't think he should. Um, many years ago, I, I, was, I was not feeling good. Um, I, I, I really don't get sick very often. Like, not, not at all. Like, very, very, very. But I wasn't feeling good. When I say I was, I was really not feeling good, it's... Um, I'd wake up in the morning and like, like nasty. I'm like, what in the world? Remember, I go in the sink, I go in the bathroom, and I spit in the sink, and, it, and there's blood. I'm like, well, that's weird. That's not normal. And I go through all my day, whatever. Well, the next morning I wake up and I'm like, again, and I'm like, I spit in the sink and there's more blood. I'm like, well, that's no good. So I pray, and next morning I wake up and I go in the bathroom and, I'm like, well, and there's, there's like. Like, what in the world? I'm not feeling good. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm resisting. I'm like, devil, you leave in Jesus' name. This cannot be here. I command you to go. And I'm speaking healing over. I'm like, what is going on? Well, I go to bed again. And one morning I wake up. And no, I, lay, I wake up. And I just sit up. And this thought comes out of nowhere. You should clean the humidifier. I have never before or since woke up and thought about cleaning anything. 
Like, it's just, it's just, that's not, that's not what, how my brain works. So I'm like, this is weird. But Beck and I, in our bedroom, we had a humidifier over in the corner. And so I'm like, okay. So I roll out of bed, I walk over, I go over to that humidifier, and I take the top off of it to clean it, and I look at this thing, and there's this white filter tube. And instead of being white, I know because I put it together, but instead of being white, it's black covered with mold. And I'm like, I know how to clean this. So I just unplug it from the wall, pick it up, take it outside, and threw it away. Next morning, I wake up, nope. God could have healed me the way that I wanted him to, which was this sickness completely gone. That, that sickness could have, le- could have just left the way I commanded it to go. And God's like, I tell you what, I'm going to give you. He gave me the answer that I needed. He gave me the answer. Who knows how bad it would have gotten before I would have cleaned that thing. I'll tell you, it would have been a while. It would have been a long time, probably all winter. I wouldn't have even thought about touching that thing in the slightest. But we need to walk in the authority that God has given us. Well, do we have authority? James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another. Wait, James 5, 5, where's 5, 16? Oh, yeah, there we go. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful. You resist the devil. You pray for the sick. You have that authority. It's in Luke chapter 9. We see one day Jesus called his disciples together. And he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. He gave them that authority. James 5 tells you and I to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will recover. It's like, well, this is what God's word says, then this is how it's going to be. I was, at, I was, at, uh, I was on call at church one day. And, and I, they called me up to the front, and on-call just simply meant if, if somebody walks in, is like, hey, I need prayer, I've got some questions, can you help? You kind of just leave your day open to be able to answer questions. So I'm on call um, this particular day, and, and we get a call, and someone says, hey, um, my, some sort of relative, they're like, some sort of relative um, is really just battling a demon, and can somebody, can somebody come, I want to bring them to church, and can you pray for them? So I'm like, sure. So I get a little call, and I'm like, hey, Samuel, um, somebody's coming who has a demon, they want to talk to you. And I'm like, this doesn't happen every day. I'm like, all right, it didn't happen for me every day anyways. I'm like, okay. So, um, but I know what God's Word says. And so I'm like, okay, it says that we have the power and authority to cast out demons. So we go and we meet with this person. And they're like, hey, they try to talk. I'm like, hey, I know exactly what we're going to do. Yes, we are okay, and we're going to go. So we just meet with this person, and, and they start to scream and yell a little bit, and we just take authority over it and say, in the name of Jesus, you're done, and I have that, and you can't. Um, and this person, you know, they start screaming a little bit, and then they stop screaming, and they're like, okay, now what's going to happen? I'm like, well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the demon's going to leave, but it's going to come back. So here's what you need to do. You need to begin to resist, and somebody else can't do this for you. We just need to know what God's Word has to say, and then we do it. But God, when He gives us authority to do things, we don't pray for Him to come and do it. 
I think for many people, that's what they believe prayer is. It's petitioning God to do. And yes, he says ask. We already read that. Ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. But when he's given us authority, we need to walk in the authority that we have been given. You have been given authority over the demonic. You have been given authority over sickness and disease. So lay hands on the sick. And the prayer offered in faith, faith is important, will make the sick person well. All right, so next question. Um, before we get into this next one, I, I do just, I want to mention something. Um, something number one is every one of my notes just went away. <laughs> White screen! That'll be fun. Okay, so before we get into this next question, num number one is going to be this. Number one is we want a major in the majors, and we do not, what we do not want to do is major in a minor. Here, here's what I mean. Um, there are some things that are super important. There are other things that it's like, I've got some questions about this. And the truth is, it's like, well, yeah, so do I. Um, I don't have all of the answers to everything. There are things that we just do not know. Um, thing, uh, questions when it comes to things about heaven. You know, the Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of the good that God has in store for us. So it's a bit like um, some of this stuff, I, I don't know. I do not know. So this next question has to do with the resurrection. And the next question is, will there be, will there be male and female, will there be gender in heaven? Will there be gender in heaven? Um, and it's a great question. You want, can I just hand this to you and see if you can get asking for a friend week four? If you've got them, that would be great. I, I would appreciate notes. That, that they, they definitely help. Um, so when it comes to heaven and what is it going to be like, um, again, this is a, it's a question, and we actually got this from quite a few Quite a few, so it's like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's address this. But what we want to remember is what is the impact that this is going to have on our life? And Scripture literally says don't be, don't be distracted by um, genealogies and pedigrees. It says because they're not fruitful in living a godly life. But that being said, the Bible is meant to also, it's meant to be the lens that we look at everything through. It really is. Now, when it comes to how you and I will be and what heaven will be like. Um, Mark chapter 12, verse 25 says, it says, when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Instead, in this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. They'll be like the angels in heaven. Um, as you read your Bible, as I read my Bible, I cannot find a single instance where we see an angel and it is referred to in the feminine. Um, it's always a masculine description of that angel. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, we're going to be like the angels. We see, that, we see that in Scripture. We're going to be like angels, but what are the angels like? Um, he says, we're not given in marriage the Bible says that you are bound as long as you both, or as long as you live, um, really refers to the marriage covenant as a covenant that lasts as long as we are in 
our bodies. My dad, my dad says it this way. He's like, we might not be married in heaven, but I'm shacking up with your mom. I'm telling you that. I'm just, we're, we're just doing it. If there's not, we're still living together. I'm like, well, that's an interesting thought, dad. That's, that's really interesting. Thank you so much, Tony. Um, it is one of those things that you're like, okay, what is it going to be like? And if we're going to be like angels, um, what does it mean that we're going to be like angels? And what do we know about angels? Well, honestly, we don't know a whole lot about angels. Um, but Genesis 4 says this, and I'm going to take just a second and see if I can find Genesis 4 in my notes here. Oh, well, that, well, that's another one. Oh, I hope we get to get to that question. That's going to be a really good one. Genesis 4 says this, Now, there were giants on earth in those days and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men of old, men of renown. Now, what's it talking about when it says that the sons of God? Uh, well, Jude is kind of the, Jude, it, Jude 6, so there's one chapter, there's one book of Jude, but Jude um, verses 6 and 7 kind of is the, the other side of this, and it tells a little bit more, and I believe is the other side of this verse, and it says, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain. So when we read in Genesis chapter 6, the sons of God, I believe it's talking about angels, and here it very clearly says angels, who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains and darkness for the judgment on that great day. Because as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So you, you look at these two verses and here's what it tells us. It says that angels saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they would come and marry whomever they pleased of them, but they were able to have children by them. They had children. Now, what were those children like? Uh, they were, when you read in the Bible, the Nephilim, uh, giants. And it's where I personally believe we look and you think of some of these stories of, I guess you would just go like, like Zeus. Some of this ancient mythology of what these people were able to do in these great warriors. Well, the Bible says that the daughters of angels and the daughters, when they came and they had children with the daughters of men, that, that their, their children were not normal. Goliath had six fingers and six toes, it tells us. So we look at some of this and you think, okay, so the angels, we see them all described as masculine, but then they have some desires. They see that women are beautiful. They have the ability to reproduce with them. What is it going to be like when we're in heaven? Um, I think it's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, I do not believe that God gave up on his idea on the Garden of Eden, that God made paradise and it was great. So, well, do I think there's going to be male and female in heaven? My answer is, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Eve was brought to Adam because there was no helpmate found suitable for Adam. 
There's going to be no sun. You read Revelations, it's a whole entire new earth. There is no sun because we do not need the sun because God is the light and we walk in his light. So when we get to heaven, we be complete because we have our relationship with God and no longer be looking for that in someone else. I've heard people talk about that. And it's like, ooh, that's really good because we'll have a relationship. Okay. But then you've got, all right, is there a possibility? Then why were the angels able to do what the angels were able to do? And we're going to be like the angels? We'll be similar? And the answer is, I don't know. You know, I, I think it could go either way, but it's one of those things that I answer the question without answering the question to say is, it's okay to not have every answer to every question. I do not know absolutely everything. Um, but what I do know is what gives me faith because of what I've seen God do in my life, in me and through me, of what I do know. That's why I serve this God. Not because of what I do not know. There's things that we do not know, and I do not know. Um, so it's okay to have questions that we simply do not know and to admit that we simply do not know all of the answers to all of our questions. Um, another one that I do want to mention that we've gotten quite a bit of that I'm not going to get to in this series because it demands, again, more than just a short a short answer that I could give in, inside of this. We're actually going to devote some time to it as a standalone later. One of the questions we got over and over is, what does the Bible have to say about aliens, uh, UFOs, um, the tall creatures that people are reporting all over the place? We got quite a few questions on that. Love the question. Um, and we're going to kind of, we'll get to that um, on another week. Um, another question that we had um, has to do with and it says this, it says, in what way are my sins laid on my children and grandchildren? And here's, here's what he's talking about. Exodus 20 says this, you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Um, you look at that and you're like, wait a second. Uh, you may have heard this referred to before as generational curses. Uh, I want to read Galatians. Galatians 3 says this, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. The law existed, and the law, anytime we fell short of the law, brought a curse. Part of the curse was, if you fall short and you miss it, guess what? This is going to affect you and your children's children. But it says this in Galatians 3, as we keep reading verse 10, it says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Verse 11, so it is clear that no one will be made right with God by trying to keep their law. For scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Um, there's a curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? You fall short. We look at what we've done. We look and we say, I fall short. What do I deserve? And the answer is, yes, you deserve death. Generational curses, that is a part of the curse of the law. And you have been redeemed. Jesus came and he redeemed you. He redeemed me from the curse of the law. So I am not subject to my 
the sins of my father, nor are my children subject to my sins or the sins of my father unto them. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. So in what way are your sins laid on your children and grandchildren? The answer is none. If you accept what Jesus did for you. The devil has told you the reason why you're dealing with this is because it's something that your dad dealt with. It's something that your mom dealt with and it's passed down. There's nothing you can do about it. That's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell because you are redeemed from the curse of the law. You're so new. The boss says he's making all things new. You need to be reintroduced to you, the real you on the real, on the inside of you when Jesus comes and makes you new. You are redeemed. You are justified. You're made just as if I'd never done it. That's what he does for you. So don't believe those lies. In what way? No way. It breaks completely off at the cross. So the question is, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Because that's where it stops. It stops at the cross. It does not. The curse of the law, it's over. He became a curse for us so that we did not need to. Genesis 3, Christ has redeemed us. Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, curses anyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jewish believers that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. In what way? The answer is no way. But it's a matter of you and I receiving what Jesus did. It can stop with you. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to where it's like, well, this is, it's just in my family. And then you go to a doctor and like, okay, now tell us, what's your family history? And you're like, it don't matter anymore. And you tell them like, no, it actually does. And you're like, no, it actually doesn't. And they'll argue with you all day. And, but if you don't tell them something, they don't get it from you. <laughs> Just so you know. Oh, but it's really going to help us. No, because it stopped and it's done at the cross. But it just kind of reiterates that whole thing of, well, this is what it is. And then the devil just wants to come and he's like, yeah, that disease, that just runs in your family. No, no, it does not. It doesn't run anywhere. It's done in Jesus' name. Well, this happened to my grandpa and he did it. And, and it's just, and, and I should probably go because this is, you are healed in Jesus' name. You want to go to prove the devil wrong? You go prove the devil wrong at the hospital. But you go to prove him wrong because he is wrong because it stops at the cross. It doesn't have to just flow through your family because you and I, because we don't let it. You don't let it because he became a curse for you so that you don't have to. So walk in it. Don't just receive it. It ends at the cross. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Speaking of that cross, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you made him the Lord of your life? Have you surrendered to him and say, God, I need you. I want to be free. I want to be all that you have for me. I believe that you came, that you died. And today I make you my Lord. And today I want to begin to walk out the plan and purpose that you have for me. Because hear me and know this, God has a plan and purpose for your life. You may have been a surprise to your parents, but you were not a surprise to him. 
you might look around at the world and think, it's all going crazy, man. Wow, what's going on? And God's like, yeah, it's bad, but guess what? I sent you, and I have you, a mission for you. God has a plan and purpose for your life. It starts with a relationship with him. He wants to come in. Set you free from shame, guilt, break you free from the past, cut off those ties, kick the devil out. He wants to wrap his arms around you and tell you how much he loves you. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or you say, today's the day I come back because I've been doing my own thing, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. The count of three, I want you to lift your hand and lift it high. And when we pray, when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you. Get ready. All the way up. One, two, three. Shoot it up. Say, that's me. Today is my day. I'm going to give my heart and my life with all that I have. Anyone? All right, God, we just come before you this morning. And we thank you for your word. God, if we have believed the lies that the devil has told us today, we proclaim and we grab onto the truth that's found in your word and we say, devil, you go in Jesus' name. It stops here. It ended. Jesus, you have taken it all. God, we thank you for all that you have done. And we want to walk in the fullness of what you have purchased for us. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your hope. God, we believe and we trust in you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our mind, we say, have your way in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.